Hey again, welcome to week two of the series, Summer at Trinity. And again, one more time, a big shout out to everybody who's joining with us online. Now, before we dive into the message, if you haven't already, download the app. Everything Trinity Church is right here. Sermon notes, all upcoming events, um, guys, uh, top golf event. It's gonna be an incredible evening. I can't wait to spend the evening with you. Uh, so you can sign up, register right here on the app, or you can go in the lobby um, and you can make your registration, your reservation. But all upcoming events are right there. But let me just quickly highlight, VBS starts tomorrow, everybody. It starts tomorrow. I was told by Pastor Julie in the back before service that this is... Um, so far, um, the most registered um, registrations that we've ever received for VBS before it started, um, which means we're going to be at capacity. Now you're like, well, I, what about people that want to walk in? Yes, they can walk in. We have reserved and saved some spaces for walk-up, so you can still invite. But that just tells me, like, you have invited your friends, your neighbors, your coworkers. Another interesting statistic is 40, over 40% 40 of the people that have made a reservation for VBS um, we don't know who they are. They're like brand new people to Trinity Church. Isn't that exciting, everybody? So here's what I want you to do. Everybody, everybody, get your phone out, get your phone out, get your phone out in church. Yes, get your phone out, get your phone out, get your phone out. I really don't have to say that anymore. But I mean, to turn your Bible on, you just go to your phone and there it is. Um, I'm asking our church, I did this our 930 service. I'm doing this here online. Um, I'm asking all of you for this entire week to set your alarm for five o'clock. Can everybody do that this entire week? And I'm asking our church, I'm calling our church, at, whether that's a.m. or p.m. If you're gross and like to wake up that early, like do it. Um, for me, it will be 5 p.m. Um, I'm asking our church at five o'clock this entire week to take a moment to pause and to pray for VBS. With that many new families that are connecting with us, beyond just the excitement and the fun, and it's gonna be all of those things. We firmly believe, no, we, we know, that our God is going to speak to your children this week in powerful ways. And my prayer um, last week and even into this week is that anchors would go so deep in the lives of our kids that they would never be able to overcome it. And they'd remember this week for the rest of their lives. So can you do that with me? Can you pray every day this week at five o'clock that God would speak to our children in incredible ways? Um, okay, if you haven't already, download or get your sermon notes out. Uh, we're going to continue Summer at Trinity. And as I told you last week, um, there is no theme to this series. I'm going to ask our staff pastors to preach. And Pastor DJ did an incredible job last week kicking the series off. Yeah, Pastor DJ, was, it was an amazing sermon. Um, I'm asking our pastors and some of our guests to speak whatever God is laying on your heart. Like, give us your best sermon ever. Like, go for it. But I also want to highlight one thing. July 4th weekend, um, it, Sunday falls on July 4th. That Sunday, uh, we are going to go back into the vault, if you will. Um, and it will be an At The Movies Sunday, July 4th. Our favorite at the movies from 2019, our favorite movie, we are gonna come back and play it. And some of you are like, what is that? Well, every November we do an at the movie series where we take a modern day story, a parable, and we bring spiritual truth to it. Um, so July 4th, we will be doing this. Now, some of you are online and you're thinking, man, I need to find, like, you're waiting for the perfect weekend to come back to church. Um, Every weekend's perfect, but if you're waiting, um, July 4th, we cannot stream that service because of copyright issues. So I can't think of a better weekend to come back to church than July 4th. If you're ready, if you're willing, July 4th will be an incredible time together. Uh, but today, you're in really great hands. Um, today, Pastor Julie Spear, our family pastor, will be bringing today's message. And we know this, Pastor Julie is very gifted, very talented, but I also have to highlight one thing. Pastor Julie is now a published author, everybody. Um, isn't that amazing? <laughs> Developing a generation of conviction, men of honor and women of worth. You can't buy this today. June 15, it goes live on Amazon. So you're gonna see this in our social media and all of our stuff, but June 15th, you need to go on and all of us need to buy a copy of this. Why? So Pastor Julie can be the number one rated author on Amazon on Tuesday. Are you with me on that? We can, we can help her out. It's amazing. I, I read this on the plane yesterday coming home from a conference and <laughs> I, I'm blown away by uh, this, this resource. It's not just a youth and, and leader resource. Um, parents, you need this. 
I'm reading a couple chapters on this, like um, husbands and wives, this resource will impact your marriage in incredible, in incredible ways. And so this is a book, a resource that I'm gonna encourage all of you to pick up. And, I, and I'm just blown away by the talent, uh, by the gifts that God has given our staff, definitely Pastor Julie. But as she comes to bring God's word today, let me just tell you, I, I'm blown away, not just by those things, but, but for her love for Jesus. It is so evident. Every time you talk to her, this woman walks with Jesus. And I know today she's going to preach out of the overflow of that relationship. And so Trinity, would you put your hands together and would you welcome back to our stage, Pastor Julie Spear. He's hired. He's going to do like all my intros from now on. It's great. Um, yeah, thank you, Pastor Jared. I'm excited to just have the opportunity to be with you guys this morning. Um, you know, 9-11, it happened so many years ago, and yet it's one of those things like we'll just never forget it, right? It has such an impact on our country. Um, hundreds of lives were lost. It's one of the worst terrorist attacks in U.S. history. And, and while everybody who had to endure this terrible tragedy can definitely be considered brave. There are some who went just above and beyond in trying to save lives. A few who, while everybody else understandably was trying to run away from the burning buildings, a few chose to run back in. And Wells Crowther was one such young man. He was a 24-year-old equities trader. He worked at the World Trade Center and he became known as the man with the red bandana because numerous people remember being led to and down a stairwell by a man who was covering his nose and his mouth with a red bandana. And his body with the red bandana would later be found on a stairwell leading back up the towers next to firefighters with the jaws of life rescue tool in his hands. And it's such a striking example of heroism to see somebody run forward with courage when everybody else is running away in fear. Second Timothy 1.7 says, for God did not give us a spirit of fear. And so I asked the question then as Christ followers, like how do we do that? How do we run forward with courage? How do we stand out? How do we have faith? They're so astounding, so inspiring, so remarkable. How do we make sure that we are known for what we ran towards and not what we ran away from. There's a story tucked into 2 Samuel, 2 Samuel. It's such a tiny little story. It's the story we're gonna start out with today. I'm gonna to reference a number of stories, but we're gonna start in 2 Samuel. And the story is about this guy named Benaniah and a showdown he had with a lion. And today we're gonna to talk about choosing faith over fear and trust over control. So open up your Bibles. We're gonna be in 2 Samuel chapter 23. We're gonna start in verse 20. It says, there was also Benaniah, son of Jehodiah, a valiant warrior from Kabzeel. He did many heroic deeds, which included killing two of Moab's mightiest warriors. Another time, he chased a lion down into a pit. Then, despite the snow and slippery ground, he caught the lion and killed it. I think it's pretty easy when you're reading these verses, you know, thousands of years after they actually happened from the comfort of our home or church, and, and we know how the stories end. And so sometimes I think we, we miss in the moment what the shock, what the raw emotion might have been, right? To, to miss this monumental act of courage displayed by Benaniah. We don't know where he was going or what he was doing. We just see his gut reaction. We see his response to this difficult situation. Now, when most people register a man-eating beast, they run away, Right? I mean, lions are, I mean, they're pretty dang lazy too, but they can be ferocious animals. Like they, they, they can run 30 miles an hour. They can leap 35 feet in a single bound. Like this is a huge mismatch. And Ben and I are choosing to engage and fight this lion is one of the gutsiest decisions in all of scripture. And it leads me to, to this point. God is in the business of strategically positioning us in the right place at the right time. But the wrong place often seems like the wrong place and the right time often seems like the wrong time. A while back I was flying to speak at a youth conference and I can be fairly extroverted, but one thing I don't really like is having to make small talk on an airplane with somebody I don't know. So I got on the plane and I did everything I could to non-verbally communicate nicely leave me alone. Like I put my hood on, I had headphones in, I got my computer out right away, you know, and I'm busy tapping away. And this older gentleman comes and sits down next to me and right away he like taps me on the shoulder. And I was like, yes. 
He's like, hey, are you excited for your trip? I was like, yep. <laughs> you know, and I could tell, it was so obvious that this man wanted to chat. And I even, I fully admit it, I felt the Holy Spirit prompting me, like you should have a conversation. I'm like, no. So now I'm arguing with the Lord on the plane, you know, cause I'm like, listen, God, do you want me to do a good job on my talk tonight or not? Like I'm trying to look over my notes. I've got this to get done and this to get done. So this guy can just sit there and eat his peanuts. Like I don't, you know, I've got like this list of things to do. So, you know, a little bit of time goes by, I'm reading through my notes and like second paragraph of my notes for my talk that night, I'm reading, I'm talking about the story of the Good Samaritan. You know, the guy who didn't ignore the man in need that God placed right in front of him. And so I'm like, oh, fine. What's up, dude? Tell me, I don't know. And he just, for an hour, he told me about his grandkids. He told me about his love of Europe. And the whole time, inwardly, I'm just trying not to be annoyed because I'm like, I, I am getting like zero things of my to-do list done. You know, like I'm just listening to his crazy stories and like, what is the point of this, Lord? About an hour in, out of nowhere, this guy goes, hey, do you go to church? Now, this is this moment where you are a pastor, but you have not acted very pastor-like, that it gets a little awkward. I'm like, do I lie? Or do I tell him I'm a pastor, like this terrible person? What's better here? So I'm like, yes. <clears throat> I do, I do actually go to church. I, I'm a pastor, I'm a pastor, I'm a pastor, I had to go to church. Yes, I love church. He goes, well, that's just fascinating. I was like, well, based on my behavior, I'm sure it is, but like, what do you mean? And he's like, well, you see, I'm not, a, I'm not a spiritual person, I'm not a religious person, but this last year, some stuff has happened in my life and so I've started praying, but I told God, oh, I told him I was not gonna go to church. So if he wanted me to get to know him, he was gonna have to bring church to me. Well, today, I guess God has answered my prayer. And we spent the next two, three hours of the flight talking about God, reading the Bible. See, to me, it felt like the wrong place. It felt like an inconvenient time until I got on board with God's agenda and not my own. Finding yourself in a pit with a lion on a snowy day, it would absolutely qualify as a terrible day. It would seem like the worst luck, the worst timing, the worst situation. But as you read a few verses down, we see that, that after Ben and I defeated the lion, he actually got promoted. Like he became David's bodyguard. I mean, just picture David going through the resumes, right? This guy majored in security at the University of Jerusalem. Eh. This guy did an internship with the palace guard. Okay, this guy killed a lion with his bare hands. That guy, I want that guy, give me that guy. Like, so he ends up being promoted. He climbs all the way to the top of the ranks. He becomes commander in chief of Israel's army. But it all started with what many would say was a difficult situation with some adversity and how Ben and I chose to respond full of faith, not in fear. So today I'm gonna give you three definitions of faith. Here's the first one. Faith is the willingness to look foolish sometimes. Now, I know this is strange because usually when we use the word foolish, it has a negative connotation. We think of foolish as unwise or as undisciplined or reckless. When I think of foolish, I think of something that happened my first year here at Trinity, actually. I, um, we had a pretty small youth group at the time, so there's a handful of students. We had just finished youth group and they were out in the parking lot. And I'm standing right in front of this worship center with Tina Worthington and we're chatting and I'm listening to the students and I hear this one young man start talking about how fast his car can go. And then I see him watch, walk over and get in his car. He's now leaning out his front window, continuing to talk about how fast his car can go. And right as I have that thought, this is not gonna end well. I should go do something. He floors it. I mean, he just guns it. Well, there's wide open parking lot in front of him. What could go wrong? Well, the young man had the car in reverse not in drive, so he floored it back into the car behind him, which was my car. <laughs> I literally, I just stood there and watched the whole thing and I was like, and 
I waited as he slowly got out of his car and checked out the damage and hung his head in shame and then walked towards me. And you could tell he felt totally foolish. Like, why did I do that? That's usually what we think of when we think of foolish. But today, when I use foolish, what I'm asking us to think about is this idea that we would look strange, maybe, that we would look foolish to the world, to our culture, because we care more about pleasing God than we do about fitting in. And that means we're gonna say no to some things that our culture says yes to. When I say foolish, I mean that you're willing to do some things that seem kind of out there. Like, that is extreme. That is like, whoo, that seems a little intense because you trust that God is at work. I mean, think about, think about so many Bible characters, right? I'm pretty sure David looked foolish to those around him as he walked out to face a giant Philistine with no armor on and a sling and a pebble. But what I love about David is he didn't talk about how great Goliath was like everybody else. David talked about how great God is. So he didn't talk his fear, he talked faith. I was afraid that I would look pretty foolish. I had the opportunity right out of college to help uh, plant a church, but I was leaving behind an established mega church. And I had so many reasons why I should say no to the opportunity, why it didn't logically make sense for me to go. Like I'm, I'm leaving an established church that's already successful. Like what if this church plant doesn't work? I was gonna have to raise my salary, like raise support. What if I don't raise enough support like to, to live? All my family and friends were planning to stay at the mega church. I'm like, I have no experience though, by the way. I'm 21 years old, I don't know what I'm doing. Like I had so many reasons why I should say no. I was afraid I would look foolish. I was afraid we would fail. But I knew, I knew that God wanted me to go. And saying yes to God and being a part of that church plant, it's, it's one of the biggest prides of my life. And now every time that I hear about a life being changed at that church, I get to remember the joy of saying yes to faith. It's a fear of foolishness. That's what keeps us from stepping out of our comfort zones. We think, oh, come on, I can't change my major. I'm already three years in. I can't, I can't just pick up and move. I can't ask her out. I can't, come on, I can't share my faith. I don't know enough. You know, they, they might think I, they might think something, you know, I don't know, I don't wanna like make God look bad. You know what, like I can't go to counseling. What would people think? I can't pray for a miracle. What if, what if it doesn't come through? Like we're afraid to look foolish. Now there's a balance, right? If you're in the boat with Jesus, you wanna make sure that he's calling you to come. You don't just wanna go recklessly flying out of the boat into a storm. But if he tells you to come, you've gotta get out of the boat. Because if we don't, we miss the chance to walk on water. And so faith is the willingness to look a little foolish sometimes. The second definition is this, faith is unlearning our fears. Psychologists say we're only born with two fears actually. It's a fear of falling and a fear of loud noises, which means every other fear is learned. So it can be unlearned. And faith is choosing to overcome our fears. And a fear of failure is probably the most common fear that hinders us. And so I'm gonna ask you a question this morning. Are you living your life in such a way that's worth telling stories about? You've taken some risks, you've stepped out and trusted God. There's some stories to tell because your life is a subplot in God's redemptive story. So when we lack the guts to go after the dreams that God has placed in our hearts, we rob him of the glory that he deserves. It falls short of the God who can do it measurably more than we could ever imagine. And so if your dream doesn't scare you, maybe it's too small. If you are big enough for your dream, if you can do it all on your own, your dream is not big enough for God. They did a social study on regret and then there's two main types of regret. There's action regret, where you've done something that you wish you hadn't, and there's inaction regret, where you didn't do something that later you wish you had. And what's interesting is in the short term, when they compared people between having action and inaction regret, most people were about the same, it was equal. Over the long term though, 84 to 16% of people regretted most the things left undone. 
And as I was reading the book that today's talk is kind of referencing, it's called In a Pit with a Lion on a Snowy Day. It's by Mark Batterson. And I remember this idea standing out to me, this idea that, that the Big C Church and Christianity, sometimes we focus so much on sins of commission, right? The things that we shouldn't do, the bad things that we should try to stay away from. And don't get me wrong, those are so important. But it's also about the life we're called to live, the things we're supposed to do. In other words, Christianity is more than just this list of things we shouldn't do. It's what, what are we known for? What do we stand for? Because in any situation, you can do nothing wrong and still do nothing right. In sociology, they call it the bystander effect. It's this crazy phenomenon where a whole group of people can observe a tragedy or an emergency right in front of them and nobody will call 911. And it's not because they're terrible people. It's because they all assume that somebody else already called. And so we do the same thing in our faith. We all become bystanders. We all hear the call. Hey, we need people to serve. And somebody thinks somebody else will sign up to serve. Somebody else will give. Somebody else will take care of that. And so we just become bystanders. But God tends to show up when we take him out of the box that we've placed him in and we take pro proactive steps of faith. So I wanna challenge you today. Just think about one thing, one thing that you've been putting off, one step of faith that you could take, one step outside of your comfort zone where it would place you fully in that place where you would have to trust God, that he would have to show up. And then choose, choose faith over fear. So we've talked about faith over fear. I wanna talk about choosing trust over control now. And if we're honest, most of us, we like to be in control, right? Anybody, you're like, I admit it, I'm a control freak. Yes, okay. Well, here's, we all kind of have a way that we like things to be. And let me tell you, there's nothing like marriage to bring out the inner control freak in all of us. Like, I love my husband. I do, I love that man. But he's got some quirks. Like, okay, let me just tell you. All right, on a light panel, you know, there's like a, like a bunch of switches. He has to have them all the same direction, okay? So like, like this, he can't handle it. He can't, he's probably twitching somewhere in the back. Like he, he has to have them all up or like all down. So I will be in our children's bedroom at night. I'm trying to pray. I'm trying to read the word of God. And he's out in the hallway playing with the light switches to get them all the same direction. So I'm like tripping out of my kid's bedroom over stuffed animals and who knows what because of his incessant need to have the light switches all the same direction. Sometimes I do, I, can't, I just switch them. Just, just cause. I'm like, come on. He also has a very particular way, um, it's the correct way, to load the dishwasher. So that's pretty much got him permanent dish duty in our house. I'm like, all right, I'll never touch a dish then because I don't do it the correct way. So here you go, honey, all the dishes. Um, he also, there is like this huge glass uh, window in the shower in our master bath. And he really likes it to be squeegeed off. You know, like he doesn't like the water droplets. Listen, guys, I'm a mom of three, okay? If I get four minutes in that shower uninterrupted, it is a good day. I am not spending one of those four minutes squeegeeing off water droplets. Like I could care less that there are water droplets. I, I gotta be honest with you, but there I am nine months pregnant, trying to be a good wife, get every last drop. Blood. Okay, now I'm gonna stop here because I already see some of you are like, Julie, you married a crazy person. And the rest of you are thinking, I cannot believe her. I cannot believe her. Look at her up there just, you know, throwing her husband under the bus. You guys, he gave me this picture. Like he's proud, okay? There's no embarrassment. He's proud of his controlling weirdness. And also, I will not throw myself under the bus. So we, a few years ago, um, we bought a minivan. This is a life-changing decision, okay? First of all, the amount of cup holders, it's amazing. But if Dave and I ever argue about something, it's about the temperature. He's always hot, I'm always cold, okay? So in a minivan, you have dual air control. So he can turn on the air and I can turn on the heat. 
And we're like, this is great. Also, it has seat warmers. I love the seat warmers. I think they are like God's little blessing. I turn those things on. I use them year round. I also like to leave them on because to me, there's nothing better than getting in the van and just slowly having your buns warm up. My husband, not so much. Like we first got the minivan and numerous times he'd be driving, we're like 30 seconds in and he's literally sweating, like water dropping off of his face. And he'd be like, why are my butt cheeks on fire? Like turn the thing off. And I admit, I would, leave, I would forget to turn it off because I really enjoy the sea warmers. I'm like, I like them, let's have them on. No, okay. Sorry. Um, I also, it just makes sense in my brain. Maybe moms can relate, but like if we come home from somewhere, I like to just take care of everything right then and there. Like if we were out swimming, I'm like, okay, let's hang up the swimsuits and the towels. Let's restock the diaper bag, you know, water bottles. So we're just kind of all organized and ready, you know? And so I'll be like, hey, Dave, let's go. Here we go. Do this. Da, da, da. He's like, well, where are we going? What's, what's next? I'm like, oh, well, no, nowhere, nothing. He's like, woman. Can we just sit, please, for five seconds? And I try, I've tried. I have tried. And I'll sit there. I'm like, no, I can't do it. We got to do it right now. Let's go, let's go, let's go. Bathing suits, fill the diaper bag. Here we go. So that we're ready, you know, the next time we go out. It's the way I like it. It's the way I prefer it. It's my little way of being in control. And we all have it. And quite honestly, we like that. We like to be where we know what's going to happen. We have things the way we like them. We don't really like stepping out of our comfort zone. We don't really like change a lot. But honestly, when we're in control, we miss opportunities where we would have to trust God and he would have to show up. Think about Jonathan. King Saul's son in the Old Testament, there was this time where the Israelites and the Philistines were just in this military stalemate. And so Jonathan chose to leave the safety of the Israelite camp. It was safe there. He chose to leave it, to climb up this cliff and antagonize on purpose the Philistines into battle. And he said, perhaps the Lord will act on our behalf. Think about Abraham the father of the Israelite nation who left his home and his country in a day and age where most people, guys, they didn't travel outside 30 mile radius of where they'd been born. And Abraham picked up, he went to an unknown land to pursue the promise of God. And I love the way it says it in scripture. It says he went without knowing where he was going. And lastly, what about Noah? the man who was a laughingstock for 120 years as he embraced the uncertainty of a crazy weather forecast. He trusted God, he acted in obedience despite the fact that he was the only one, despite the fact that there was no actual proof of any sort of flood coming. But scripture says Noah did exactly as God commanded him. And so then think about it. Think about how God shows up in these stories, right? He delivered the Israelites from the Philistines. He built an entire nation from Abraham's family. He saved humanity through Noah. When we aren't afraid of uncertainty and we trust God and act in obedience, amazing things can happen. And so faith is unlearning our fears. The third definition is this. Faith is taking the first step before God reveals the next step. It's interesting, right? When a baby is learning to walk and they're kind of taking their first steps, we don't typically expect that they would magically just start sprinting. It's one wobbly step at a time. And as we appreciate each step, next thing you know, they are. They're often running all around the house and we can't keep up. But if as a parent, every time my baby went to take a step and they wobbled a little bit, I reached out and caught them, in the moment, I would be sparing them some frustration. In the moment, I would spare them the pain of falling down. But in the long run, I'm preventing them from learning how to walk. And I think sometimes God is asking us to just take a wobbly first step. And it might seem scary, and it might seem like God is letting us fall down, but I think just like I'm right there behind my baby, right? We have to trust that God is right there, always working for our long-term good. The problem is that first steps are hard. 
Like if my husband and I have had a fight, I am perfectly content to go wallow in my cave of anger for a long time. And the longer I sit there, the more I think of everything that he said and he did that was wrong or hurtful. And I'll just stay there to take that first step to say, no, I will do what is right. I will go apologize. I will go show humility. It's hard. It's not what I want to do. But when I make that choice, when I take that first step, then God is able to work and bring about reconciliation. First steps in relationships to kind of put yourself out there and, you know, hey, can, can we go to lunch and try to form a friendship? It's awkward. First spiritual steps to ask to pray for somebody or to, to invite somebody to church. Oftentimes it's only way later that you see maybe any sort of result. Somebody comes back and they're like, hey, it meant so much to me when you offered to pray for me that one time. Hey, it's five years down the road and the person that you invited to church over and over and over again is finally getting baptized. See, because we have to take the first steps and then we have to trust that God is at work and he's in control of the results. And I think when we make that commitment, you know what, I will be a person of faith and I will take first steps and then trust that God is gonna work. I think we will find ourselves inundated with opportunities for ministry and we will experience God do big things. We just have to be paying attention and we have to be willing to take some wobbly first steps. First steps are hard. And because they are, here's the truth that I want you to hold on to today. There is going to be circumstantial uncertainty in this life, but we can have spiritual certainty that God is always with us and always at work. The very definition of trust is a firm belief in the reliability of someone or something. So no matter what's going on around us, we can trust who God is. We can trust his reliability and that should always give us hope. Not knowing, uncertainty, having to wait, it's hard. My kids can't wait for like two minutes in the car. They're like, are we there yet? Are we there yet? But then there I am, right? In front of my computer and I get that rainbow spinning wheel of death and I'm like, let alone if I'm waiting on something that I prayed to God about that I really care about. Waiting is hard. Uncertainty is hard. We think, you know what? What if? What if I take this first step and it doesn't work out? Uncertainty causes us to ask difficult questions. You know what, God? Why is it? Why is it that my child has to be one in thousands with some rare genetic disorder? Why do my parents have to be the ones getting divorced? How come everybody else seems to know what they wanna do in their life, but not me? How come everybody else can find somebody to get married to, but not me? How come everybody else can have kids, but I have to struggle with infertility? There are no easy answers when it comes to uncertainty. And some of your experiences, they won't, they will not make sense this side of eternity. But lion chasers trust that God is connecting the dots in ways they can't comprehend. And so they choose faith and trust and bravery in the face of uncertainty. Difficult situations, adversity, it's going to happen. Maybe it's not wrestling a lion in a pit, but maybe it's something in your marriage. Maybe it's an addiction or a career setback, or you're battling depression, or there's something going on with one of your kids, whatever it is, as Christ followers, it's how we respond that should set us apart. Do I choose faith and trust when I don't have the answers? Because as inspiring as it is to watch a young man run towards burning buildings, I think that people should be inspired on the daily by the faith of Christ followers just astounded by our joy and our hope and amazed and blown away by our faith because when our faith is big, it points to the bigness of God. One of the most challenging times in my life was when I have two sons and when they were younger, they were both toddlers and they were both really sick at the same time. Um, my son Maddox had digestive issues, he was just in terrible stomach pain, he wouldn't eat. And um, he just screamed all the time <laughs> for like two years, first two years of his life. And my son Owen was having seizures and we didn't have any answers, 
for what, what was causing either one of them to be sick and we didn't have any answers on how to make either one of them feel better. And I just remember being so tired, so tired. We were physically exhausted. We were emotionally exhausted. It was such a difficult time. Dave and I were like ships passing in the night because one of us always had to be on shift with Maddox. And our friends, a lot of our friends had started having young kids at the same time as us. And they were going to the park and they're posting pictures of these awesome playdates. And we were left out because we were at doctor's appointments. We didn't leave our house with Maddox for like two years. And it was hard. And so to be real honest with you, it's easy to say the words. It's easy for me to just stand up here and say, hey, you should choose faith over fear. Hey, you should choose trust over control. But I've been there. I've been here. Moments where I was full of fear, where all I could think about was worst case scenarios, where I just wanted one ounce of control instead of having to endure these long waiting periods for medical test results and then getting nothing, where all I wanted to do was to cry out, why God? And ask him to just fix it. Where he took everything I had to say, okay, God, I will trust you. Okay, God, I will choose faith when I don't have the answers. And I promise you it's in those moments where you really surrender all and you lay yourself completely at the feet of Jesus that he carries you and that he fills you with the strength to fight whatever lions you are facing and it will be all for his glory. My faith was tested, but it grew. It was strengthened during, during this difficult time. And my trust in God grew because there were moments of absolute, complete dependence on him where I could not do it by myself. I was not in control. God has brought healing to my boys. He brought opportunities for ministry as I sat in waiting rooms, some of the saddest places on earth with other hurting and stressed out parents. He's brought perspective. He's brought gratitude and he's brought hope. And so today, can I challenge you? I've been there. Can we choose faith over fear? Trust over control. And let's just see, let's just see what God does. Heavenly Father, I'm so thankful for this moment. I'm thankful for every person you have in this room today that we can be reminded, God, to choose faith, to choose trust, that you are good, that you are big, God. We don't wanna put you in a box. Father, help us to be people that, that choose courage. We can be so stressed out. There could just be so many difficult circumstances. God, all around us, help us to rise above, help us to look above, to raise our eyes and to look to you, God, so that we can always have hope and we can always have joy. And as we live that out in a faith that is big, God, it points to you and gives you glory. So fill us with strength this morning, God. Fill us with courage. We wanna be Christ followers, God, with a faith that is inspiring. We love you. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. Hey church, can we praise God for that incredible message today from Pastor Julie? Thank you, Pastor Julie, amazing. I, I have no doubt that God is speaking to many of you. Um, and some of you today, you, you need prayer. Um, God's speaking to you. And after the service is over, we'll have prayer partners down front. We'd love to pray with you. We'd love to pray for you. And today, some of you, you know your next step is just to give God your whole heart, to give him everything. Um, on the connection card, you can let us know that. And our team, our staff team, will connect with you this week. And we'd love to partner with you on your spiritual journey. Um, talking about next steps, we offer a thing here called the Growth Track. It's a four-step process that will help you know God, find a friend, discover your purpose, so that you can make a difference. Um, today is the second Sunday of the month, so it's step two. But next Sunday, I'd encourage you to come to the 9.30 service. 
and then go immediately after the service is over, go to the next steps of the growth track room. Um, our host team will answer all the questions that you have. And we've created the growth track in such a way where you can start at any time. And it would be our joy. If God's speaking to you, it would be our joy uh, to pray with you after the service is over, but also to give you some clear next steps um, here at Trinity Church. Um, hey, before we send you out, we're going to continue to worship the Lord through the giving of our tithes and offerings. Aren't you excited to do that today? Yeah. We, we give and we, we, we cheer because God tells us that he loves a cheerful giver. Um, but we serve a give first God. So we are going to be a give first people. Um, we, we say this all the time here. Uh, we don't have to give. We Let's do that again. This is a core value of this church. We don't have to. We, we get to do this. And so however you give, online, the boxes in the back of the room, or you're in, in the app, you're sending it in the mail, um, however you're giving, thank you for your amazing and your continued generosity here at Trinity Church. Um, before we dismiss you today, we have a special presentation. I'm, I'm going to invite Pastor Julie to come back with some of our, we're going to honor the graduating seniors um, from high school that are members of our, of our youth group. Can you welcome them to the stage? Yeah, thank you. I'm going to get out of the way. And Pastor Julie's going to highlight um, them for you. Um, and it's, you're going to be blown away by the amount of talent, um, just the sheer genius of some of these. They're way smarter than me. I mean, this is amazing. So pay, pay attention as Pastor Julie uh, explains all of their accomplishments. Yes, this is an incredible class. I'm very proud of them. Um, I asked their parents for a short bio and, you know, got pages back. So we're going to try to do the condensed version of these very, very successful people. So um, our first one actually couldn't be here today. She got her wisdom teeth pulled and um, is not feeling so good, but we're going to honor her. This is Carly. Um, she is from New Mexico. She moved to Arizona when she was seven. From a young age, she has always had a kind spirit and an eye for the design and the arts. You may have seen her serving in our church cafe on Sundays. Carly loves to paint. She's been dedicated to dance for most of her teenage years. She got into dance at the age of 13, and within two years, she chose to focus her time specifically on ballet. She attended a performing arts high school, the New School of the Arts and Academics, where her drive, passion, and commitment to her studies led her to graduate third in her class. In direct reflection of her hard work and focus on dance, Carly received a partial scholarship to the Joffrey Ballet Training Program in Texas, where she will be attending next fall. We are so proud of all that she has accomplished thus far and can't wait to see where her future takes her. This is Angela Curry, or as we affectionately know her, Angie. And she is a graduating senior from Mountain View. The list of accomplishments that Angie has is just a testament of how incredibly dedicated, passionate, and forward-thinking she is about her impact, both academically and personally. Of all the great attributes that Angie has, my favorite is her loyalty. Angie will always be there for you, whether you've chatted last week or last year. She's one of those people that you can pick up right where you last left off. People are drawn to Angie when they meet her. Her kindness and humor puts everyone at ease and makes them feel included from the very beginning. In school, Angie was very involved in activities like National Honor Society for three years. She was the president of Rooted, which is a Bible study for Mountain View students. She was also involved in sports where she ran track. And on top of that, such a slacker, man. She took four AP classes in the subjects of stats, biology, U.S. history, and language. And Officially, as of yesterday, she is a graduate of EVIT with the Nursing Assistant Program. Angie also passed the state board test to be certified as a nursing assistant, which included doing 40 clinical hours. Outside of school, Angie has been faithful to Trinity, always finding ways to serve, either through VBS, Kids Night Out, or on our annual mission trips to Mexico. She has also been a part of our Trinity student leadership team, welcoming new students, planning events as a team, and leading by example to bring Christ to our high schoolers. And... On top of all that, she is also a sandwich artist at our local subway. Angie plans to attend UNCW, University of North Carolina, Wilmington, and got accepted into the Honors College there, where she plans to continue her studies towards becoming a nurse practitioner. This is Andrew Nichols. He is the fourth child of Rob and Jenny Nichols. Andrew likes to tell people he was an accident, but in reality, he was a precious part of God's plan. 
Andrew is known for his willingness to help others, his constant smile, and his love of children. He attended Gilbert Elementary, where he began playing the cello in his mom's class. He was a member of the Metropolitan Youth Symphony for four years. At Mountain View High School, Andrew was an outstanding student. He was the first chair of the Chamber Orchestra and made regional orchestra for two years. He was the recipient of the Spirit of Orchestra Award, the top award for orchestra at Mountain View High School. Andrew made huge growth as a student and his senior year achieved straight A's. Andrew has been active in ministry at Trinity for as long as he can remember. He started by helping his parents with their ministries, often arriving early to help with setup or staying late to help with cleanup. But in junior high, he began working with the Iwana program and found he loved working with kids. He served on the tech team, working camera for a year. In high school, he began leading small groups in Quest and has been working with the third and fourth grade boys for the last two years. He is active in the youth group and has served on the leadership team. This last year, if Andrew wasn't at home or at school, you'd find him down at the church. That's true. Helping out wherever needed. While talented on the cello, Andrew felt God's call in another direction his junior year. He is pursuing the call to become a family pastor. He... He will attend MCC for two years and after earning his associate's degree, he will transfer to Trinity Baptist College in Jacksonville, Florida. This is Sam Stockfish. In the Stockfish family, it is often said that Sam is a red-blooded American that was made in Korea. <laughs> With 18 years of experience, he is an extroverted overthinker who sometimes acts like he knows it all and is very passionate when defending his position. But Sam has always enjoyed school. He graduated in the top 10% of his class from Mountain View High School and was a member of We the People, a competitive academic team focused on the Constitution, political philosophy, and government, which placed fifth in the nation. In his spare time outside of school and work, he seeks to be a musician, a magician, a writer, and a self-proclaimed philosopher, among various other things. Most days, he would prefer messing with the guitar to throwing a football, writing about ethics to watching a baseball game, and admittedly, working on magic instead of doing yard work. He's a very interesting person, to say the least. Sam will be continuing his education at Grand Canyon University in the fall by pursuing a bachelor's degree in Christian studies with an emphasis in philosophy and earning a master's of divinity degree through the five-year Barnabas Pastoral Program. Though only having, yeah, they're incredible. Though only having started regularly attending Trinity three years ago, Sam has been active in the Iwana program on Sunday evenings at Trinity since he was four years old. He has been an active participant in the youth group and as part of the student leadership team in addition to being part of the youth and main tech team. He has recently been accepted as a resident here and looks forward to working with our pastors and staff as Trinity continues to grow and move forward. And this is Addison. Addison has always been very determined. Once she put her mind to something, there was rarely anything that would deter her. In junior high, she made the decision to work towards graduating early in order to pursue higher education sooner. And we are proud to celebrate the accomplishment of this goal as she completed high school in just three years. While at Mountain View High School, she found the love for sports medicine and has been an athletic trainer all three years she was there. She was the lead trainer every season for the football, wrestling, boys volleyball, and baseball teams, as well as a mentor to younger trainers. As a trainer, she attended every practice, every game, and traveled with the teams. She was responsible for overseeing the general well-being of student athletes, providing medical attention for any injuries, and addressing any physical difficulties the athletes may be having. The craziest injuries she addressed included a broken femur, a skull fracture, and several dislocated shoulders. She loved being a part of the action and has made lifelong friends in that program. Addison plans to attend Mesa Community College before transferring to GCU to study sports medicine with the ultimate goal of becoming an athletic trainer. Addie is fun, spunky, smart, determined, loyal, dedicated, and keeps us all on our toes. We are incredibly proud of her and can't wait to see what her future holds. Love you, buns. It's, <laughs> it's on the paper. I told you, they are all absolutely incredible. And we're so excited for God's future for each and every one of them. So I'm gonna ask Pastor Julie to pray a prayer of dedication. Uh, but would you just stretch out your hand as a sign of blessing and honor to them as Pastor Julie leads us, join your hearts. Uh, as we pray a prayer of dedication over these incredible um, young adults. Heavenly Father, God, we thank you for this moment, this moment of acknowledgement and celebration for these young people and what you've done in their lives. 
So I thank you for every parent. I thank you for every teacher um, that has been involved in their lives, God, to bring them to this moment. And so God, we just celebrate um, as a church their accomplishments, their dreams, the call that you have on their lives, God. And I pray specifically just a prayer of blessing that you would, um, God, just carry them as they are stressed and kind of looking ahead, making big decisions, God, that you would be their peace, that you would be their guide, and that they would never sway from your path, God. I pray that you would keep them steadfast to your word and to your promises and that you would carry them, God. And so we are excited today to, to kind of send them forward. And God, I pray for the dreams that you've placed in their hearts, that they would not be afraid to pursue them. And that God, as they pursue them and as they uh, take steps uh, to, to kind of live the life that they think you're calling them to, God, so that it would point, uh, that it would all point to you. And so we just love them. We are thankful for them and their uh, influence on our youth group. And God, today we celebrate them and we ask God that you would guide them uh, as they go forward. And we do together, we pray that the love of Jesus would come near to them, that Holy Spirit, you would rest upon them. And Heavenly Father, we pray that your mercies will be fresh and will be new to them each and every day. And all of us said together, amen and amen. Come on church, one more time. Can we honor these graduating seniors today? It's awesome. Jared? Yeah. All right, so um, on behalf of all the seniors up here, uh, we just wanna say a big shout out and thank you to all of our Sunday school leaders our youth uh, leaders and our uh, WANA coaches. Uh, we just wanna say thank you. Thank you for supporting us over the past 18 years of our lives. Thank you. Um, Y'all were supposed to clap, but that's okay. Um, but we wanna say one big, huge thank you to Julie uh, for being our youth pastor for the last six years. Uh, it's very rare to have a youth pastor for six years. Most only last a couple years maybe four, so to have her from junior high all the way through high school was really great to have. Um, but she couldn't have done it alone, so we wanna give another shout out and thank you to Marie Simodio, Erica Pfaff, and Lori Jo Smith, who have also been our youth coaches for the past six years. And we just to show our gratitude, we got you all a gift card for $100, uh, so you guys can go out and have a nice dinner. <laughs> dinner. <laughs> Love it. Hey, um, after the service is over, um, I'm going to ask you, oh, in fact, let's go ahead and stand to your feet right now. I'm going to, I'm going to dismiss you. Um, but if you need prayer for any reason, our prayer partners will be down front. We'd love to pray with you. We'd love to pray for you. Um, this is a house of prayer. I can't think of a better place to pray. Also, be praying at five o'clock every day this week um, for VBS. It's going to be an amazing week. And Tuesday, you're gonna follow us on social media. We're gonna buy Pastor Julie's book and put her number one on Amazon for Tuesday. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All right, let me pray a blessing over you. God, I thank you for these amazing people. Thank you for what you've done in this space today, God, and for the word of God that we heard preached. Thank you for what you're doing in our hearts and in our lives. And now I pray that we will have the most amazing Sunday afternoon that we've ever had. And I pray the Phoenix Suns will sweep the Denver. Uh, in Jesus' name we pray, amen and amen. Church, I love you. Keep coming back. I'll see you next weekend. God bless you.